Buongiorno principessas. This is the Oscar Watch podcast, the podcast where we look back at past best picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me once again, Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you dealing with this winter? Uh, the flu has hit my household mm. in a hard way, yeah, but other than that, spirits are high. Spirits are Spirits are high, and would you say that perhaps life is beautiful? La vita e bella. Oh, she's got that little Italian. Oh, it's going on to it. Very nice. Un poco italiano. Okay, I'm just gonna smile and nod whenever you do that. Uh, we are doing the 1998 best foreign language film, La vita e bella. Uh, Known as Life is Beautiful, directed by Roberto Benini, written by Vincenzo Cerami, Roberto and Roberto Benini, starring Roberto Benini, Nicoletta Braschi, and Giorgio Cantarini. Uh, it is one of the more, I think, well-known of the foreign language winners. A lot of the times, there's not a lot of breakthrough in the mainstream American press and uh, consciousness with these, but this is one of them. Uh, this hit. I remember this movie coming out. I was 15 at the time. And it being a big deal. I think I even actually saw this in the theater. One of my few early teenage foreign language movies. And uh, I remember enjoying it. Although I think although I think I had some sort of stick up my ass about Miramax. And uh, Harvey Weinstein is promoting all of his garbage. Because Shakespeare in Love won this year. And screw that noise. But I like to think history has vindicated me in that regards. Amy, what are your memories of this film? Okay, and I'm going to give a spoiler alert a little bit about my opinion. This movie came out when I was in college. Ooh. And I was taking Italian at the time. So I loved it. And I remember a very dear friend of mine said, there's a movie coming out. It's an Italian film. It's sort of about the Holocaust, but it's a comedy. Hey. And I thought, what? That sounds <laughs> insane. And she told me kind of the premise of it. And I was like, what? And I saw it multiple times in the theater. Wow. This movie destroyed me. I loved it so much. Okay. And personally for me at least i know your best picture of the year was saving private ryan this for me is was the movie to beat mm. not just for foreign language i still stand on the ground that this was the best movie that came out that year yes. i believe it was one of i've done this number before i think it's either 11 or 13 foreign language films that were also nominated for best picture all of those movies have never won Best Pictures, and any movie that is nominated for foreign language film and Best Picture will never win Best Picture. That's just kind of the way it is. It's very sad because this could give uh, any movie in 1998 its run for its money, certainly at the time. Uh, you saw it multiple times, which makes sense. This movie made $57 million in North America, which is astounding for a foreign language film, especially one about the Holocaust. When you think about it, I feel like Holocaust movies are not the biggest money makers. Uh, and that was the highest grossing foreign language in film in America until, of course, Crouching Tiger two years later, uh, which, which also, also 
was up for Best Picture. It also was up for Best Picture. It was one of the most nominated. Also won a handful of awards, including Best Original Score. This uh, Life is Beautiful also picked up the Grand Prix Award at the Cannes Film Festival, I believe, in 1997. As these things work, a lot of foreign language films are actually released the year before they are eligible for Oscar qualification, as one needs to be in New York and L.A., well, we'll just take a short break, and when we come back, we'll discuss the Academy Awards briefly and what Life is Beautiful won that year. And the Oscar goes to... This is Italy's 26th nomination and its 10th Academy Award. I live here at the Oscar, but I want you. I want to be rocked by the waves of your beauty. Come here. Thank you, thank you. This is a moment of joy, and I want to kiss everybody because you are the image of the joy. And he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity sunrise, they said the poet. And this is wonderful to be here. Wonderful. I feel like now really to, to, to dive in this ocean of gratitude, of, of generosity. This is too much. Your generosity, this is... And uh, how do you say when the ray... The, the, the hailstorm. It's a hailstorm of, of, of kindness, of... Over gratitude for you, and uh, really, I would like to thank everybody did the movie because uh, I, we can without them I couldn't fly with this movie. Everybody who did the, the producer, the screenwriter, Cerami, Elda Ferry, and Gianluigi Braschi, Nicola Piovani, Vittorio Cecchigori, Harvey Weinstein, Miramax people. Thank you very much for what you did, and also I would like to thank uh, my parents uh, in Vergaio, in the little village in Italy. <laughs> They gave me the biggest gift of poverty, and I want to thank them for the rest of my life. Really, but thank you, Mama and Papa. Thank you. And thank you for your love. Because it's a, if I am here, it's because people love the movie. So it's always a question of love. I'd like to dedicate this prize to those, because the subject of my movie, those who are not here, they gave their life in order we can say life is beautiful. And I would like to also say a kiss to Giorgio Cantarini. Ciao, Giorgio, the little boy. And because we are talking the love, uh, Dante said, L'amor che muove il sole, le altre stelle, love who move the sun and the other star. So, uh, love is a divinity. And sometimes if you have a faith, like all the divinities, it can appear. 
That's why I want to dedicate this prize to Nicoletta Braschi. Thank you. Levita e Bella, Life is Beautiful, won three Academy Awards out of a total of seven nominations at the 1998 Academy Awards. Uh, it uh, obviously won Best Foreign Language Film and was obviously nominated for Best Picture as well, ultimately losing to Shakespeare in Love. Although picking up a, <laughs> <laughs> although picking up a a produ- an Oscar for both movies for uh, Harvey Weinstein. Uh, however, when one thinks of Life is Beautiful winning, you don't necessarily think of the film itself. You think of its actor, Mr. Roberto Benigni. He won Best Actor, and while he, his Best Actor is not the part you remember, when they won, he won Best Foreign Language Film. When Sophia Loren announced and oh. screamed out, Roberto... He lost it, and this is the famous, uh, the famous scene where Amy, please climbing describe. Climbing over the seats, yeah. climbing over the seats, and his speech was like, "I want to make love to everybody," which would not fly today. But he's Italian back in the '90s, so it's okay. And uh, I think he planted a big kiss on Sophia Loren because, of course, why wouldn't yeah. you? I'd be hard pressed to not do that. I understand. Yeah, I understand, ladies. I get it, but. He's, he's he, exuberant. Is he's not, so, he should have gotten an award for most interesting acceptance piece. He was beyond exuberant. Yeah, and it's something you don't you don't see a lot of it out of the uh, a stodgy Americans or Brits who typically win these awards. But then he went up and won Best Actor, beating out a wealth of other of other people. Uh, and he, I believe, I believe his words is, "I've run out of English." Yes. <laughs> One of the most memorable moments in Oscar history. His his walk up to the podium to accept his best form. His language. climb. <laughs> his climb. Yes, his climb. He was over the seats, people. Over the seats. It was great. Amy, you actually had a interesting fact for us about Benini's Oscar win. Let's hear it. That he is one of three performers to win best actor or actress for a foreign language film. Hmm. The other two being Sophie Loren for Two Women in 1961, and I cannot pronounce her name, the French woman who won for La Vie en Rose. Marianne Cotillard. Yes. Yeah. He, he is not, they are not the only actors to win for speaking another language. For instance, De Niro won Best Supporting Actor for Godfather Part Two. He spoke Italian. However, these are strictly foreign language films. That did not, you know, or that are specifically made in another in another language. Uh, and the film uh, also picked up best original score for Nicola Piovani. Am I pronouncing these right? Which was beautiful. Yes, beautiful which score. I owned this. I like. I went out and bought the CD when yeah. it came out. It's uh, it is uh, perfect for the movie. It's gr- it's, it's great music. Do try and find it. We'll we'll have a link either on Facebook or Twitter uh, about that. Uh, in addition, <laughs> what else was it nominated for besides best picture? Okay, uh, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Editing, and I think we already said Foreign Language Picture, Actor, and Dramatic Score. Yes, yes. Uh, ha- this one, I believe Benini was the last director who also, um, who directed himself to an Academy Award win. It has happened, I think, three times in the past. I don't have the names uh, with me right now. 
but uh, he's the, I believe he's the last guy to do it. What would have been great is if he also won screenplay and director. That would have made him a four-time Academy Award winner for the same movie. Um, uh, all worthy, all nominations that absolutely deserved it. Uh, I would say. Agreed. However, you d- it did have to win out against some competition, and I feel bad for these movies. What are they? Have you seen them? I haven't. However, I've heard of the first one, Central Station, which was for Brazil. That was up for a bunch of awards that year. Okay, I think so. I, like, I remember hearing about it. It wasn't so... It wasn't like with... La Ball with Fanny and Alexander. <laughs> yeah. where you're like, I've never heard of this movie. Um, Children of Heaven for Iran, mm-hmm. The Grandfather for Spain, and Tango for Argentina. Yeah, I feel sorry for these. I you know, I hate to say that box office matters to Academy Awards, but box office really does matter to the foreign language film. Yeah. If you are a successful foreign language film. And you are also critically critically hailed. I, there's a good chance you will be walking away with best foreign language picture. Uh, I haven't seen any of these. I hope they are good movies. <coughs> um, we have gone over 1998 ad nauseum. This is our third movie from 1998. You can also check out our Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan episodes. They are a great conversation. And I absolutely am just saying that because I was part of them and this is my show and I have to be positive about everything. And with that, we're going to take another short break, going to talk about Life is Beautiful. Thank you. This is a terrible mistake because I used up all my English. <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, this is oh, what is how, how can I, I? I'm not able to express all my gratitude because uh, now is uh, my body is in tumult because it's a colossal moment of of joy. So uh, everything is really in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that I cannot express. I would like to be a, a, a Jupiter and kidnap everybody and lie down in the firmament making love with everybody. Because <laughs> I don't know how to express. It's a question of love. You are really, this is a mountain of snow, so delicate, the suavity and the kindness. And this something I cannot forget from the bottom of my heart. And thank you for the Academy Awards, for the, who really loved the movie. Thank you to all the, uh, in Italy for the Italian cinema. Grazie all'Italia who made me, I am really, the, I, have, I, I owe to them all my, if I did something good. So, grazie all'Italia. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope really I don't deserve this. But uh, I hope to win some other Oscars. Thank you. Laviti <laughs> <laughs> Bella, Life is Beautiful. For those who haven't seen the movie in, say, 20 years, what is this film about? Uh... 
it's sort of a film in two parts. Uh, the first half is how a man named Guido romances and marries his wife, who is played by his wife in real life. Mm-hmm. And the second part is they have the most adorable child who ever lived, and uh, they get taken away to a concentration camp and how he tries to protect his sons, not just to save his life, but kind of preserve his innocence. Yeah. By pretending uh, it's a big elaborate game. Yeah. Okay. Um, lot to unpack there, but where to start? Okay. We'll talk about the structure. What are your feelings on the structure of this film? Two parts. Uh, romance. Holocaust. Nazis show up. Uh, it's a long romance and suddenly it comes up in Nazi internment camps. To me, it's a much better done version of The Sound of Music. In two hours instead of three where... Everything's fun, fun, romantic, romantic. And then Nazis show up. Much better foreshadowing this time around. How do you feel about this? Is it necessary? Should they have started in the internment camp? Flashback to stuff? What do you think? Okay. Here's what I think an argument against the movie might possibly be and my argument refuting that. Okay. I think a lot of people possibly have an issue with the fact that it is more of a lighthearted movie than a Shoah or a Schindler's List or something of that nature. My argument is, is I don't think this is really supposed to be a Holocaust film. Okay. It's a story. The narrator says at the very opening, which you kind of forget over the course of the movie until the very end, saying this is a story about my father and a gift that my father gave me. He says that at the end. At the end, he says, this is my story. I yeah. thought he said it at the beginning, too. I don't, th- I don't think he says it at the beginning. Narrator doesn't show up till the end. But Okay. Anyway. Um, so, the father is just this unbelievable character. Mm-hmm. He's this amazing man, and he takes everyday objects, and he makes them magical. And I think... Similarly to Life is Beautiful, it takes the first half of the movie to build up what a magical person this ordinary guy is. We do yeah. When he um, sees his wife and he's dancing out with her in the rain and he just takes a pillow and puts it on this like stick and he's holding it over her like it's an umbrella and he's dancing around her and singing. It's magical and it's just a pillow and a stick. <laughs> but he made it beautiful. He makes it magical. And I think that really has to be established before you get to the second half of the film. Correct. I would, I would agree. It, the Holocaust is used as a backdrop. Uh, it's, I think, an easily recognizable horror that makes the... I don't even want to say lighthearted element. The pursuit of optimism that... Guido possesses and attempts knowing everything that's knowing all the terrible things that is happening. I think that helps it juxtaposes his his optimism against against the horrors of the war and is it is much needed. Uh, I was I was watching it again. I for, I forgot all the things that happened. I was struck by the how well written the first half is in the way that it introduces all these little threads you're like what is happening happening here but then it all comes it it beautifully comes together 
in their courtship scene where you know all these all these magical things sort of happen. His hat, you know, he gets a new hat when he needs it. Uh, the key. The key and every every it's, it's just all these little little bits of the world that he, and the characters that Benini and his his co writer establish. However, I will say, you know what? And I'm re- and I'm I'm looking at this through 2018 eyes now. Guido kind of disliked him at the beginning. You know, I, I, he's a talker and a bullshitter, and that's really frustrating me because I have no poker face and I uh, horrible. You can't tell me a secret because I'm going to tell my wife. Um, he's all he's always trying to hustle. He's tra- He's he's not conning you, but he's just trying to talk you into into other things. He's and you, charming. But yeah, he's he's charming, but but then, but then when he starts. Um, I was I was like I was taking taking note of all the ways that um, uh, Dora could join the Me Too movement with this. Oh, so many. Guido does so many things that are, uh, if not illegal, then real you really shouldn't do. The, the first the first meeting, she falls from a, a barn into Guido's arms. Okay, sure, that's that's just grabbed right there, and then he. She talks about a, a bee stinging her, and he immediately just starts sucking out the, sucking out the stinger, which it doesn't do anything, right on her leg. And you're like, I think this is assault, right? I, uh, I I'm supposed to like this guy, but... A little too much. I'm a woman. I think that's... Why do you little... got to betray the sisterhood very, like that? He was very respectful of her. Why do you got to betray the sisterhood like that? What? Why do you got to betray the sisterhood? Why do you got um, why do you, why do you, why, do you, why why are you I'm betraying the movement? The truth. I'm speaking the truth. I think I felt like he was very respectful of her. I, no, he's so insistent and I get honestly it, you know you know what it came down to? It came down to the uh, the terrible old, old adage it's fine if it's fine if he's cute. And yeah, but, Benini, he's not the he's not the best looking man. I like I just feel like some of like Dora is so I can see her like tensing up when he's in the beginning. In the beginning, and he he wins her over, and that's great. And then it's and then everything's fine. But it's still, it's still very. There's a little there's a little thing, a little bit that's off putting, and I get that. A it is Italy, and B that it is a period movie set in nineteen thirty nine through nineteen forty five thereabouts. But it's still it's still so odd, and then. To see and to then to know that guess who is the producer? Guess who pushed Benini so hard during the award season for best actor? Harvey Weinstein. You go, ah, just every there's there's a there's a there's a little cloud over the movie. It doesn't dispel the the message of the film. It's it is simply something else to consider given the current state and climate of the world. That's. That is no, and and to some point, and to some extent, I agree with you. There are, I think, more obvious examples of movies that are a little more like, wow, like, have you seen The Quiet Man with John Wayne mm-hmm. and Maureen O'Hara? Um, no, I haven't. That movie you need to see because with today's lenses, that one is like, wow. I, I mean, he literally like yanks her arm and like. I think I think most things with John Wayne are probably um, yeah. Wildly outdated. This, this I don't I don't even I don't know yeah. I didn't pick up on that like at all. Yeah. But 
maybe because you're seeing it more now and I remember it more as like when I first saw it. Right. Right. But, um, but that, the court, the, the scene in the rain, the scenes in the rain when they are, you know, when he's romancing her. And he sells red carpet for her. Oh, oh yeah. It's it so was, sweet. It was, it was, it was magical. And I go, all right, all right, you're, you're, you're winning me. And he, uh, it's great. I love how he sweeps her away with the with the the, green, the now painted green horse. Who I didn't even know this horse was Jewish. A fantastic, yep. line. fantastic line, by the way. And how all the the little the, the egg had a, had a call back to falling on the guy's head. Brilliant. But what I, you know what I really love? Uh, it's I love it when movies do fun things with their cuts uh, to show a long passage of time. I love the cut where they. Uh-huh. Go where they go into the they go into the um, the garden, and clearly I think something's about to happen, and then out comes little Joshua. Oh my gosh! And he's the cutest little boy ever. <laughs> he's the cutest little boy. He's carrying a little plastic toy tank, and you're like, oh, nuovo, a new tank. Yeah. Oh. Um. And you hear him, and he's like, bubble, bubble, <laughs> yeah. and then you see him run out, and he has this little like post. Put, you know, little 1940s little European outfit on. Oh my God! Yeah, I, so... I was I wanted to go to Italy and adopt this child. Okay. I was but hey, you didn't have to adopt this child because there's a story. What is it? Which one? I have a bunch of stories. Oh, a bunch of, about how your your kid may look like some other kid. Oh, my son. Yes, <laughs> my son William looks just like him. Oh, okay. Just like him, and he has that sweet innocent little personality too like yeah. instead he doesn't call me principesa but he calls me sweet gentle mommy oh which af- after a long day of teaching middle schoolers and i just feel like a mean old hag like this little blonde haired boy with this huge blue eyes and these long long eyelashes goes mommy mommy gentle mommy <laughs> sweet gentle mommy oh. and guess what says? mommy i just want to love you I wow. just want to wow. love you. Okay, that could that could. Kudos to you. He, he's kudos a, ter- to you. a terrific child. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I have actually had friends be like, "Yes, your son is essentially that kid." Essentially that kid, which is not a kid, bad kid. He's played by Giorgio Cantarini. What I like about him is that, and I've said this on multiple episodes where there are child actors, kid actually plays like acts like a child. He's not. He's not a, he's not wise beyond his years. He's precocious. He's kind of he's a little bratty. He's stubborn. Like I don't want to take a shower. Which has... oh, that was the cutest when he's stamping his feet. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's it's so cute. And also, there's a great callback to that. Like uh, further on in the film, uh, really, I I I really like this kid. He, he walks. He comes so close to being so freaking annoying, but they all. I think. Benini knows when to deploy him, and how to, and how and he knows how to write kids. He write he writes them. He's, he's basically like a big kid himself, if you think about it. Yes. He uh, he 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 really captures this. This kid isn't entirely sure what's going on, and he's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna believe my dad. What's happening? I don't see any of it, but hey, every he's he's my dad is putting on a happy face. He's telling me all this stuff, so everything must be fine. It's um." It's it's been established almost seems like he has these magical powers that he can take. And I think if you hadn't had that entire opening, you wouldn't have believed that he could have pulled off what he did. Right. 
Right. You know what I mean? If they hadn't really established all that, you'd be like, wait, how is he pulling this off? But he does. He does. Uh, he does. So it's, it's, that I don't know. Are we allowed to spoil the ending a little bit? Yeah, it's a 20-year-old movie. That's okay. Fine. I'm allowed to spoil the ending. When he gets shot off screen, mm-hmm. hand to God, the first time I saw it, it took me a minute to even think that he was actually dead because I thought, oh, I wonder how he's going to get out of this. <laughs> like, I wonder what he's going to do. And it hit, and it really did. You hear the gunshots and there's a minute and then there's the music and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. and it's, it's so crushing because this whole movie, you see him dodge and use his charm and figure out how to do it. That when he actually gets killed, it's such a slap in the face because Honestly, I did not see it coming. I did not think that he was going to get killed right. at all. And then I remember thinking, how is this movie even going to end? Now what? And then it ends the way it does, and, it, and we'll get that, and it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> On the ending, I, I think I even knew he was going to die. I forgot how unceremoniously it occurs. It's off screen, and I have watched too much television and so if I don't see a body, I'm like, well, he ain't dead. What? Why? What? I've seen a dude get shot in the head, and what? And come back alive, and he's fine. Like, what's what's like? Oh, right, this is not a. It's a it's a it's a Holocaust movie, and people are gonna shit. He's dead, and it was um, it was a little it was a little hard because you're right. He had dodged so he had gone he had swindled and talked his way around so much danger. You're like, well, of course. He, this dude's bulletproof. Of course he'll make it. And... Do and it's really shocking. And there's very few times that I'm shocked in a movie. Mm. A lot of times you're like, of course this happens. Of course this happens. But with him, it was like for that half a second, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. The the infuriating part about how Guido dies is that I was thinking about it, and if he had just hidden away in a different spot and he hadn't gone looking for Dora, he would have been fine. Family would have gotten back together. It's just like he didn't, like he almost didn't have to die. I understand, you know, because he knew his wife was there and he had to go find her and I would, I would like to think I would do that. Uh, that, uh, you know, he didn't, this was, this was unnecessary, but I get it, but I get it. But what I don't think, I, here's a question for you as a parent. Could you do what Guido does for Joshua and keep up a game like this for as long as he does to protect your kids? I would want to. I don't know if I'm that clever or charming or whatever to actually pull it off. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, of course he could. But even the scene, I remember where my heart was like in my mouth practically when he tells his son to go inside the, to hide. Mm -hmm. And he's across the, across the way in the dark and he's, he's watching the dog sniff the box where his son is. I mean, like literally like my hand, my fingers were like in my mouth. I couldn't watch. And he starts to do the the hand thing. And does. The Schopenhauer, yes, which yes. again was a callback to the beginning of the movie. Right, lots of lots of lots of stuff comes back around. That's amazing, and I would want to. I'm not magical enough. I don't know to make things like that happen. I would just try to hide him, but 
the whole lying to me. It's he did, like I said before, he did more than just save his life. He preserved his essence of this little boy mm-hmm. who's so wide-eyed and innocent. And that's another connection with my son, because my son's exactly the same way. He just has this everything to him is amazing and wonderful and pure and to save that is a lot harder i think right um i like to think he's doing a funny march when he knows (laughs) the the nazis behind him yeah he's got he's got to keep it up and gives him that wink and i'm like we do i think i think i think i think a lot of us could start out doing it but the mental exhaustion just the toll alongside the fact that you're carrying anvils or doing whatever it is you're doing for in a in a nazi work camp i think i think that would just wear me down i don't do well with stress so i think i would i i would maybe i would start it but it it would not last too long and i would and the the fear you know what i mean and the fear of just like if you don't listen to me this is going to be awful and he comes home and he's exhausted and he's like oh how many points did we get today and and when he's laughing and he's exhausted he goes oh we played hide and seek and oh man we just laughed and laughed (laughs) yeah but he does it and that's why he's amazing and i give the other part that hit me that really made me cry was when you know that the mother thinks that the little boy is probably dead because mm-hmm. they have to go and pick up all the shoes and the father gets them on the radio and he starts talking and the mother can actually hear his voice. <sighs> uh, just uh, Nicoletta Brosky doesn't get enough credit for Not the acting she does in this. It's, uh, it's But just I can't mind. imagine what that must be like to, to think your son is dead. And then to hear him be like, Mama, put you on the bridge of with that little voice. Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. The film does raise an interesting point that I think I'm sure has been discussed to death uh, in terms of uh, the Nazis and uh, how one approaches them in that uh, the, moral, the moral relativism of lying. We say we we tell our kids kids don't lie lying is bad but there are instances here in this world where lying may actually be the greater good so what really is where's the downside in lying uh, is lying is lying bad is lying bad is lying bad and life is beautiful should he have ra- should he have rather subjected Joshua to the truth of things and hoped. In his own way. No, I don't think so. And I think there's a different there's a difference between lying and creating magic for a child. And I don't well, want to magic, say well, magic. Magic, magic, magic is a bit is a bit of a lie. It's a it's a trick. Because it's a deception. I've got, well, I mean, you've got the holidays that just came up. I'm not saying it because my son is upstairs, so I don't want him to overhear me saying any of this. But some of the magic that parents create for their kids. And that it teaches them to believe. It gives them imagination. It it shows them how to take a world, you know, the, the everyday world, and make it a little more magical and special. I don't think that's a terrible thing at all. all right. But is it is it, are we doing them a disservice? No. Because I think human beings and nature need to have hope. They need to know that things can be better. People need to have imagination to kind of get you through the day. Because life's brutal. Well, life is beautiful. 
la vita e bruta is ugly but um but i think i think people need that especially in times of great despair and that's why i think this isn't when people say oh it's a holocaust movie and it made light of the holocaust i think people miss the entire point of the film it's a it's a human triumph story over everything and oh, that what human beings i think it shows the best of what human beings are capable of as opposed to pretty much every other holocaust movie which just shows the ugliness right. that humans are capable of this is much more of a you know his father his father died in the holocaust that's not happy that's no. not unrealistic but the fact that you know he got his kid through and preserved that in it, that childlike innocence that the son has the son's gonna know one day that his dad is gone but we don't and we know that that's sad, but we don't necessarily need to see that because I don't think that's the point of the movie. Which is why, in my humble opinion, this movie should have won Best Picture the year it came out. Not Best Foreign Language, Best, best Movie. Because it was the most original film that really did the impossible. Okay. Well that's said. Well said. It. We have this idea that the Holocaust has to be this severe thing, and it is. Don't get me wrong. All of World War II is just a terrible excuse for butchery and death. And the Holocaust is among one of the worst tragedies this world ever. Has, ever, has ever witnessed. But also at the same time, yeah, we get it. We've been hearing about it for 70 years. And that does not take away the power. There are literally 6 million stories to be told. About and go the hear them. And you go should you should hear them. You should you should you, we need to so now, Jesus Christ, now more than ever, we need to hear them. But we can have something where the it's not the it's not it's not the soldiers coming to liberate them, it's it's something different and something hopeful and joyous. And this movie does that and in a way that uh no, no, no films really have before because Ever. it is because it, the, the film because the the issue is treated with such cold seriousness and it and it, it's a very serious subject that it's what I, we will never see a film like this again. No, never, and Not we never set up until that point either, which is again why I think everyone seems to be Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, for me, was a very safe movie to make. I agree it won all the technical awards. Good for Spielberg. But to make a movie that shows the greatest generation, our heroes, the veterans of World War II are all heroes. That's a very safe opinion to to make true that's not gonna make people think it didn't saving private ryan didn't make me think anything else about war it was wow d-day huh that's wow these guys are all brave heroes for serving their country okay but i also got that when i watched a million other movies right. there was no it didn't bring anything new to the table it was technologically very well made but to say, make a movie that shows the U.S. soldiers and the vets of World War II being big heroes, eh, 
it's been done. I'm sorry. It has been. And I saw an interview with uh, Roberto Benigni on Charlie Rose, which was really, really interesting because every other thing he came across as a clown and uh-huh. every interview he was in. But Charlie Rose actually, and this is another one, Charlie Rose, what happened yeah. to you? Yeah. Um, really got him talking about it. And he said to Roberto Benigni, you know, I know a lot of places canceled interviews with you because they were so offended that he dare make a movie like life is beautiful that wasn't harrowing and depressing and he said you know what as an artist i think you need to be ahead of your audience not behind it and i thought that's it that's it he was ahead of it he's it's not a holocaust movie it's wrong to label it as a holocaust movie it's up it it's showing what human beings can triumph over and using something that we all know. It could have been made about the Black Death, but we can't relate to Black Death. So why would you make about the Black Death? Or, you know what I mean? Or the AIDS epidemic or, you know, genocide in another country. It's not supposed to be a documentary. It's not Shoah. It's not the sorrow and the pity. No. But, sorry, talk about Woody Allen. I just remembered Annie Hall. I went to see that. But that's why I... I personally would have given the Academy Award to Life is Beautiful over Saving Private Ryan, which is a great film. But this really, I think, was just something totally new and a really interesting way to look at life. Mm. Well said. But now we get to play this game I love to call This Would Never Be Made in This Day and Age. Today's contestants, we have Life is Beautiful, Yes. And the group we have, we are talking about, is Jews. Did you know Roberto Benigni is not one of them? I thought I read that his father had been in a concentration camp, though. No, he had nobody in the concentration camp. Mel Brooks, eminent, uh, great American comedian, was like, Benigni, basically said, Benigni, you don't get to make this film. Because... I- you didn't know that. You are because you didn't have anyone die in the concentration camp. You didn't know anybody. You are he's he's Italian. He's a, a Catholic or whatever. And I was thinking about how we are in this day and age more or less confined to the roles we are essentially born into, and that's great and whatever. We have solidarity there, but this movie would never get made today. This movie would never get made today because of the content, because it is. Quote unquote, uh, I don't want to say humorizing, giving giving light to the Holocaust, and that should never happen. And because it was made by somebody who has, by whatever strange rights, no right to make this movie. Um, What about the co writer? No, Italian as well. Again, honestly, whatever, everything really falls onto the director at this point. He's uh, he's not what he uh, Benini did consult many uh, Jewish groups, uh, Holocaust groups, uh, and they were uh, influential organizations on how to properly conduct himself and to give proper homage to the victims of the Holocaust itself. But oh man, today it would not fly. Uh, is the question is it insulting to the millions and millions of victims of the actual Holocaust? For someone like Benini to make this film, Reg- accepting the the whole that you know this movie probably shouldn't have been made and, and your very beautiful argument beforehand, 
is it bad that Benini made this 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 particular movie? I don't think so at all. Okay. And kind of again because I don't see it as being a Holocaust movie. Right, and but it, it do, but it does feature it features all the Holocaust, Holocaust Judaism, uh, a lot a lot of a lot of things. Honestly, I truly don't think it made light of it i think it didn't focus a lot on it but i don't necessarily think it made light of it either i mean the main character who we all are like in love with by the end of the movie this charming funny magical guy gets killed and that's awful and i think and i remember watching it and talking with my friend afterwards who at the end of the movie literally he was crying and like needed a cigarette before we could even like leave the theater but if it was done by an american director i think a lot of the beauty of the film and what made the film beautiful wouldn't have happened i think if an american director had done it i think the kid the kid would have ended up getting killed and i think the audience would have watched him get killed just to make it like hey this is how bad it is mm. We know the children are getting killed because we see the mothers going through and getting the shoes of the children yeah, and they talk yeah. about how they would trick the kids into the showers. But I think if an American director had made it, I think we would have seen the kids go into the showers and we would have seen them get killed. Right. Because I think that that's what you would have to do. Just, I don't want to say obligatory because that makes it sound trite and it's not. But similarly, when I saw 12 Years a Slave, of course there's a scene where someone's getting raped and of course there's a scene where someone's getting whipped. Right. right. Because it's a movie about slavery. But I would be interested in hearing Spielberg's perspective on it, considering he made a movie, The Color Purple. He is not black. No, nor is he a and woman. He's making a movie written by an African-American woman about the south he is not from the south and i'm not knocking spielberg i'm just saying sometimes people make movies that they might not have a direct connection to and no i don't think that's wrong right it but, might not be but you know what? back in back in 1984 they didn't have twitter they didn't have social media they didn't have pitchforks just waiting each morning for something new to be mad about uh, it's a curious, it's it's a fascinating theoretical discussion. I will give you that. It is all theoretical because this movie came out in 1998. Didn't have Facebook, didn't have anything like that. It's just, I am always struck by the stay in your lane nature of filmmaking, especially with, especially with the underrep. And I understand that if you're underrepresented, having your the voice be behind the camera as well is vitally important. Sometimes it seems like it could be go too far. That is, of course, a privileged position coming from me, the, the, the whitest fucking guy I know. But, okay, we're going we're gonna to move back to the movie. Um, Joshua has been looking forward to a tank the entire movie. That's the, that's the that's the prize. A real tank. A real tank. That's the that's the prize for this game his father has elaborate has fabricated for him for the survival of, of the family. How do you feel when that tank comes rolling into that 
empty, abandoned factory. I think what's so great about the film is that I think we all feel like Joshua at that moment. We know that dad's dead. Son comes out. The little boy comes out and looks around. And just like us, we're like, what the fuck? Like, what? what's going to happen? Because you have not a clue. And then you see the tank coming around. And my reaction was, what? <laughs> the, look, the look on Joshua's face is magical. Because somehow, even from beyond the grave, his, his dad can bring forth a, a, a will like will a tank into into, re, into reality it's it's just beautiful uh last question this film i think gets accused of being emotionally manipulative set in air quotes do you have any idea what that means and does it apply to this movie itself i don't think it is i really truly think this is a perfect film and i remember at the end when the tank comes it's such a great moment because you're just like the dude won. And I think the fact that the last lines of the movie are we won, we won. Mm -hmm. It's so perfect. It's such a perfect ending. And the part where my friend said every single time he watches this movie, when he sees his mother and the guy puts him down so he can go run to his mother and the voiceover says, this is my story. He's like, it's like on cue get the handkerchiefs out. Yeah, absolutely. And he sees his mother and his mother just like inhales him. Yeah, and she's over. just like, Joshua, Joshua. And he's going, Abbiamo vinto, Abbiamo vinto, that little Italian voice. And I'm <laughs> done. I don't think it's manipulative. I think had it been made by an American director, it would have been, you would have seen him get killed on camera. I mean, it, it would, they really would have ratcheted up the brutality a mm. lot. Yeah, the, and the, um, Emotional manipulation, it's a strange concept in movies because by their nature, movies are emotionally manipulative. That is literally what they are designed to do. Now, it's a question of, is it earned or unearned? Unearned is dramatic string music and a lot of technical work going into it. Earned emotional manipulation is where you build up through characters, through plots, scene after scene, towards this was totally a satisfaction, earned. and, that, and it is it is absolutely my earned. Valley. I think I it's there's the script is smart and, t and it's a very tight script, um, where like a lot happens, but you know it 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 calls back to itself. It ha it establishes themes, it establishes characters. The, the, there's a scene of uh, with Doctor Lessing that just breaks my heart. Uh, when I saw it, I was like, oh, he just wanted to know a stupid riddle. Like, oh, shit. I, like, I've been there before. Guido, oh, Guido, oh. you don't even know the torture I've been going through trying to figure out the answer to this. And Guido's just looking at him, giving him the, like, are you fucking kidding like, me really? face? Like, torture, like, and, oh, like, and, so, and, and the lessing. Yeah. Um, so, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is emotionally manipulative i think it earns all of its money it, it earns a goddamn freeze frame at the end motherfucking love freeze frames and it it's like yeah you this movie deserves this movie this movie deserves that it could totally just be like yeah the kid the kid won That's it could have just awesome. been sad 
it could have just been sad, but it, it wasn't. That's not the point. That's not the point. But it's, it wasn't. Which, it's and, almost a happy ending. Yeah, and I, th- I, th- I think people get mad when when there are happy endings. That's when the, the that's emotionally manipulative. Like, oh, it's a happy ending. It's manipulative. Like, no, screw that. Happy endings are great. A lot of them, a lot of them happen because it doesn't make light of the Holocaust, but there were people who survived. Right, there there were, and they have stories. There are stories about the people who got liberated and married the U.S. soldier, the the soldiers that liberated them. Yeah, it's it's a. They're not happy, funny, warm (laughs) stories, but they are stories of people surviving. Right. And, and I think it's a great thing to show about Jews and about anybody. Right. It's, it's a great thing to show about people is that through all this horror, through one of the worst, darkest times the world has seen in modern history, that this it's the small things. It's laughter. It's fun. It's this feeling of love and hope. Hope can be a a very strong hope. Hope can be a deadly, a very deadly thing. But if applied rightly, hope can be the most magical thing there is, and it can rewrite the world. It can change the world, and it's um, it's just great. It's 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 just great. Ah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. I I don't feel like I need, even need to ask. Like, did it deserve best foreign language? Film? It did, and I will say it again. I think it should have won Best Picture for the Academy Awards that year. I think it did what very few movies are brave enough to even try to do, that he didn't just save his life. When he says, this is the gift, this is what my father did for me, it's not literally, I'm not dead because of my father. It's, I got through this, and he still has memories because his father made the ugliest thing in the world magical. Made it beautiful, even. Made, 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 it, made, made it beautiful, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a case we've made that this for this movie winning Best Picture, but again, I don't think the the, the way the Academy is, it's not it's not going to happen. Uh, it is the complete package. Uh, there is love, there's laughter, and there's sorrow and crying and hardship. There's that terrifying shot of when they stumble across the the pile of of bodies, uh. um, and it's all wrapped around this very sweet love story. For um, between a man and a woman, and a father and a son, that I was I was in tears afterwards. You know, I'm a, I I always play the dad card. I'm a dad now. I'm like, oh man, I just am, am, am done. I'm leveled by this by this movie, by the artistry and storytelling on display. So um, it, I th- I think it's a shame that his next movie, Pinocchio crashed and burned here in the states i never saw it apparently it's not a, not a very good movie it's he almost he's almost like uh michael uh Cimino and who did deer hunter and then followed up with heaven's gate but, yep. um that should not take away from this life is beautiful is a beautiful movie uh that i think we've had of all the holocaust movies and there have been a lot of holocaust movies and there should be more holocaust movies because we can't, should, should never forget the Holocaust or the, the jerks who put it upon the world. This is one of the ones that stands out because it is so different. Because it chooses hope instead of fear and darkness and sorrow. And for that, I, uh, I am in awe that it was able to get made and be as good as it is. Agreed. Yes. So you have been listening to the Oscar Watch podcast. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. If you disagree with us or if you agree with us, feel free to write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com and be sure to voice your very loud opinions on on social media on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at oscarwatchpod. Next week, the Academy Award nominations are out and we are going to be discussing them along with our top 10 films of 2017 i have been watching so many movies recently i am super excited about that so tune in tune in for uh, our talk of this year's academy award race we're looking forward to it amy thompson where can folks find you a thompson 11 on twitter all right and until then until next time folks we will see you on the red carpet.